You're listening to the Folklore Forum, a podcast dedicated to discussing, dissecting, and sometimes retelling folktales. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you know about another podcast that I'm really enjoying. I've mentioned them before. They're called the Generally Spooky Podcast. You can find their website, generallyspooky.com, or just search the Generally Spooky Podcast on any podcast platform. They cover Scottish history and a little bit of folklore and definitely spooky stories such as haunted castles, famous battles in history, haunted roads, and other mysterious, creepy things. Their summer mini-series is about Scottish fairies and fairy lore. So if you're interested to know more about the fairies of Scotland, go on over and listen to their podcast. Episode 1 came out last Friday. Episode 2 is officially out today. And the third episode comes out next week. I listened to episode 1 and 2 so far. Episode 1 is on brownies, the house-dwelling helpers. It's a fascinating episode. Number 2 was a bit more dark about Gilly-Doo and the changelings. And episode 3 I'm very excited for because it was hinted that it might have to do with the Queen of Fairies. So hop on over to Generally Spooky Podcast and check out their summer mini-series. Hello, welcome to the Folklore Forum. In this episode, I'm going to share with you a resource I recently made on how to analyze and learn more, get behind scenes of folk and fairy tales. To learn the context, to learn what these stories meant at the time that they were told, how have they might have changed to today, and what sort of insight we can gain from reading these tales. Now, you can get this document over on my website, www.folkloreforum.org. I'll put a link in the show notes. If you want to have a beautiful PDF copy of this to reference when you read your stories, but I'm also going to go question by question to give you the seven fundamental questions to ask when reading folk and fairy tales. Now, if you're ready to escape into the realm of folklore and fairy tales, then come on in. The forum is now open. The seven fundamental questions to ask when reading folk and fairy tales. The first question is, who wrote this down? Well, that might seem trivial, but authors may claim to record the story for verbatim from the oral storytellers. However, there are times when their own biases and perspectives permeate the work. For example, when Icelander Snorri Sturluson wrote down and compiled the contents of the prose Edda, it's encompasses lore from Nordic pagan times, he was doing so as a Christian. The surrounding influences had an impact on the material. In the case of Danish fairy tale author Hans Christian Andersen, past subject of the podcast, his life experiences show up time and time again in the sadness and tragic endings of many of his characters, even those that were taken from older Danish stories. You can go back and listen to episode number three of the podcast to hear the life and times of Hans Christian Andersen and the sadness of his work, just to give you an example of how that really does show up. 
The second question to ask is, what was the historical context? Stories don't develop in a vacuum. They result from the world in which they are created. Sometimes they directly reflect the times and society, and at other times they embody the wishes and fantasies of a people. Sometimes they serve as warnings or pure entertainment. Think about what you watch on Netflix or whatever streaming shows, the stories that you enjoy. Sometimes we read nonfiction because we want to learn things and gain wisdom. Our ancestors, people of the past, you know, stories were everything. And while we cannot always know the true reason behind stories, scholars do make educated assumptions for us. However, if you're not an academic, it's helpful to know the historical context of when a story was written down. Let's look at Hans Christian Andersen again as an example. He wrote his stories during a time in Danish history when things were shifting. The country was shrinking territory, the social changes were prevalent, and that is reflected in some of the ideas in his stories. If we look to Iceland when Jón Arnason was collecting folktales from around the country, there were movements flourishing that were promoting Icelandic independence from Denmark. They wanted to have a collection of folktales that emphasized Iceland as a separate identity. Jón was also heavily inspired by the Grimm brothers and their work, which undoubtedly influenced how Jón collected tales from the people rather than just summarizing stuff that he knew. I will be doing a whole episode on Jon Arneson at some point in the future, as well as the Grimm brothers. Question number three. Are there other similar versions from other places? Now, academic folklorists have mapped out the common story structures and plot lines that exist between world cultures and their stories. While the average person doesn't need to know all the codes for common motifs or what categories exist, you can be aware of how stories are not always unique from one country to another. Just because you pick up a collection of Celtic tales, don't assume that people in Eastern Europe don't have the same stories with different names or different ingredients. For example, A story I'm going to cover in the next episode is about pieces of runaway food. In Germany, it's a runaway gingerbread man. Scotland, it's a runaway bannock. And in some Eastern European and Nordic countries, it's a runaway pancake or a runaway ball of dough. It's a similar theme, but the food changes depending on where you are, whatever the staple is. When you think about how much the world has changed over the past 200, 500, or more years ago, it's easy to understand how stories have changed. It's possible to imagine why a story from Iceland also exists in Scotland and Germany. Borders do not contain people or ideas. That's evident today and it's evident throughout history. It's easy to understand how people might have exchanged stories and ideas as easily as they traded raw goods, metals, and animals. Question number four. What were the societal attitudes at the time of writing? Knowing what society was like at the time that a story was recorded 
will inform some of the story structure. How women are portrayed in folk and fairy tales is not always palatable to modern perspectives, and this alone is why it is essential to acknowledge what the contemporary social attitudes were when the stories were recorded. That doesn't mean we must accept them, it's just important to note and understand why. Language, attitudes, and beliefs shift over time, and folk and fairy tales were not meant to be set in stone. On the contrary, it's wonderful when contemporary writers reimagine the old stories for modern audiences. It's not useful to go around cancelling old stories simply for being written hundreds of years ago. But we can acknowledge that they're outdated and take a grain of inspiration from them and then move on. I've said this before, but some stories age better than others and some stories need to be retold. Question number five. What contemporary events might have influenced the story? This question is useful for certain stories where there's clear inspiration by a contemporary event such as extended cold weather, famine, or a volcanic eruption. This can lead to stories emerging about ice creatures, witches who eat children, or even fire-breathing dragons. While world events cannot explain all folk and fairy tales, because we can't always guess when a story was first told, it's always interesting to know what was happening when these stories were popular or written down for the first time. Question number six. What are the natural environments of the region of origin? The natural environment inspired and shaped many exciting stories from folklore. Norway and Iceland have tales full of trolls that dwell in steep mountain passes, or hide away in caves and turn to stone in sunlight, forming grotesque rock formations. In coastal places where the sea is the source of livelihood and sustenance, there are tales of water creatures that come ashore on the summer solstice or lure sailors and fishermen to their deaths. In places where treacherous freshwater exists, there are tales of water spirits that lure children and adults to their demise. In a time before electricity and the comforts brought by the Industrial Revolution, people around the globe were far more connected to their natural environments, and the stories reflect this. Question number seven. What were the socioeconomic conditions at the time of writing? This kind of blends in with some of the previous questions, but in particular, not all folk and fairy tales reflect the realities of life. Many of them are fantasy worlds with talking animals and shape-shifting humans and magical powers. And sure, people of the past believed in these things with more certainty and fervor than we might today. But I think it's safe to say that there are certain elements of stories that reflect the hope for a better world, where any ordinary person could prosper regardless of their status in society, or perhaps escape to a new realm or find that perfect romance. I'm going back to Hans Christian Andersen one more time. He grew up in poverty and endured many challenges in life. And in his tales, he wrote about that. He wrote about creatures and characters who were suffering. But 
Sometimes he gave them hope. He gave them an escape to a better place. At a price, of course. At a steep price, if you listen to episode 4 where we discussed The Little Mermaid. But there is still a sense of hope. When you hear stories about the fairy folk or elves or the Hulda folk of Iceland, those creatures always prospered. Everything they had was better than what the humans had. And that is a reflection of projected desire and wish of the humans onto these creatures in the story. So that wraps up the seven fundamental questions to ask. I'm going to throw in a bonus one, a bonus question number eight. What is your own family history? Not everyone is excited about genealogy, at least not as excited as I am. And I do recognize that for some people, researching your own genealogy might be challenging due to records not being available or even possible to obtain. But if you can, and if you're interested, knowing your own genealogy puts history and folk tales into a richer context. It allows you to connect directly to the stories, imagining your foreparents listening to these tales at bedtime or in the dead of winter for entertainment or sustenance, if nothing else. Understanding our family's past helps us understand ourselves a bit better. And if you can't or don't want to research your family tree, if you know where your people come from, that's all you really need. If you know you're part Scottish or part French or have roots in whatever country in the world, all you need to do is do a little bit of research, do a little reading on the history during a certain time period, and you'll get to know the people of that time a little better, and you'll get to understand their connection to their stories a little better. In my opinion, when you know the history, the context, the conditions of everyday life of the people who really believed and lived these stories, it just gives those stories more power. And that is the magic of folklore and fairy tale. Now, if you enjoyed this podcast and you want more folklore in your life, head on over to the website www.folkloreforum.org and sign up to get email notifications every Friday. You'll hear when new episodes of the podcast drop. I also share exclusive stories that are not heard on the podcast, original short stories written by me. Plus, it's your best chance to connect and share your stories and opinions on folklore. You might just hear your stories on a future episode of the podcast if you share them on the contact page and tell us about your love of folklore or fairy tales. Tell us about a memory related to a story or an experience you've had. And if you really want to, you can also request to be anonymous. You can share with or without your name. New episodes of the Folklore Forum podcast are released every other Friday on the website, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Audible, Amazon Podcasts, and most other places where you find podcasts. We are not yet on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, but hopefully by the end of the summer we'll be there too. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell someone else about it. Tell them to come listen. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you for listening, and until next time, I'm Natalie Gatormson, and this has been the Folklore Forum.